Don't you dare make me out to be the monster here, Daniel. Don't you dare. Yeah. You have all the fun and I get whatever's left over. Oh, you chose the career, Miss. I have no choices here, Daniel. I have no choices. Even when I try to do something fun, you have to do it ten times bigger. I bring home a birthday cake and a few gifts, San Diego Zoo, and I have to clean up after. Oh, I'm sorry, but it's not toxic waste. It's a few party plates, Why huh? am I the only one that feels there has to be rules? Oh, Why do you always make me out to be the heavy? Oh, I don't make you out to be anything. You do it yourself, oh, quite naturally, You set Miranda. me up, Daniel, every time. Oh, I don't set you. Oh, up. lighten up, will you? Just realize you're spending too much time with those corporate clones you used to despise. I spend too much time with you, Daniel. It's over. It's over. Come on, Miranda. Listen, we've got problems, but who doesn't? We can work them out. What are you talking about? It's over. Come on, please. Listen, maybe we need some help, okay? Maybe we can go to a family therapist. They'll help us do this together. It's too late for that. Well, let's take a vacation together with the kids. As a family, get you away from work. You're a different person. You really are. You're great. Oh, Daniel, our problems would be waiting for us right here when we got back. We'll move. And hopefully our problems won't follow us. Daniel, please don't joke. Okay. We've just grown apart. We're different. We have nothing in common. Oh, sure we do. We love each other. Come on, man. We love each other. Don't we? I want a divorce. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. You cannot define yourself in reference to other external coordinates. You must define yourself internally with your relationship with a higher entity. Stop it! week on Mind Matters. It's time to turn down the noise and listen to what really matters. Join counselor and author Rita Schulte and me, Richard Beatty, in renewing your mind because your mind matters. So come on in and join us. Tammy, welcome to Mind Matters. Thank you, Rita. It is a delight to be with you. I love your work and what you're doing and it's time we caught up. I know. It's always so great to see you and uh, connect at the AACC things. And you've gone through so much and I've gone through so much through the years. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have you. So today we're going to be bringing in, you know, this whole topic of your book, Co-Parenting Works, Helping Your Children Thrive After Divorce. You've been doing a lot of different things and we'll get into that later. But for now, Let's just talk about the nitty-gritty. Divorce is hard, mm. no matter what age a child is. Sure. What does a child of divorce feel, Tammy? Well, boy, you jump right into the deep end, Rita. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, um, girl. <laughs> well, here's what I can tell you. Not every kid is alike, and not certain. there's no one-size-fits-all. However, a couple of common things that mostly are happening, one of the first steps is trying to figure out where do I belong in the family now? Um, so loyalty binds come up where, you know, if mom and dad like and love each other. That's not a problem for a kid. But post-divorce, there's a loyalty bind in, gosh, I, you know, I love my mom. I love my dad, but they don't always like each other. So when I'm with my mom, maybe I struggle to, to say that I really do miss my dad because I don't want to hurt mom's feelings. And flip side, if I'm at dad's house and I'm really thinking about mom, especially if I'm under the age of 10, you know, younger kids. Um, those emotions that they might normally talk about if they miss a grandparent or they miss a friend, 
they might feel like they have to filter it a little because of that loyalty bind because uh, they're trying to figure out who am I now in the middle of this divided family and what's okay to talk about what what do I need to avoid and what do I what happens when I bring up these topics so kids sometimes don't know how to talk about the people they miss um, and the other piece of the puzzle that's happening for children quite often there's a transition into living in a new environment they might stay at the marital house with one parent or they might be in two completely different homes in a new city so there's a lot of transition happening for children and trying to create some you know figuring it out from an adult lens how do we bring stability how do we keep consistency and what can we do as co-parents to make their life as healthy as possible that's what i address in the book and i know we'll talk about some more things about that but yeah trying to figure out who i am i and is it okay to love my mom and dad still that's a big one for children hello everybody this is richard Beatty, and you're listening to mind matters today we have a special guest tammy daughtry Tammy is a native of Denver, Colorado. She has a personal passion for children impacted by divorce and remarriage. She's the founder of Co-Parenting International, an organization launched in 2004 to help divorced parents raise healthy kids. We are happy to have Tammy Daughtry on the program. Yeah, so and I imagine, you know, in my experience uh, counseling, uh, kids often feel guilty about divorce. Oh, sure. They may even believe it's their fault. And How can parents be on the lookout for that? And what can they do to help normalize those feelings? Sure. Well, the thing that they quite often hear their parents talk about or sometimes argue about is a detail related to them. And so one of the things parents can do to try to protect them from internalizing a lot of, of the complexity is to not have those arguments and discussions at the handoff don't do them at the ball games and the ballet recitals, but find a compartmentalized time and space to have what I would call a co-parent meeting to talk through, you know, how's our child, how are our children doing with their academics? What do we need to do to help? Do we have any concerns for social uh, experiences? Are we, what's happening in their extracurricular? Um, if we need to swap Friday for Thursday or Christmas for Thanksgiving, all of those things need to be done at a time and space away from the kids so that that's not adding to that narrative of, oh, mom and dad are always fighting because of me. That's one of the things moms and dads don't always look at this from a, a kid's lens. And anytime they hear them argue or have a hard discussion um, that's connected back to the child, then that does possibly continue the that internal narrative that, gosh, I did something wrong. And, and if it wasn't because of me, mom and dad wouldn't be fighting. So trying to find a, a time and space to compartmentalize, talk apart, don't do that in front of the children. Don't use the child as the messenger, but trying to be proactive and in, in letting the child know, honey, there is nothing about this divorce that is your fault. You didn't cause it and you certainly can't fix it. This is an adult situation and your other parent and I, we're always going to be your parents. We're always going to love you, but that you didn't cause this and you, you definitely can't fix it. Um, I think for younger kids, there's a neat book called Two Homes. It's, it's not one we created. It's just a simple uh, cartoon book that helps normalize having two homes. And I always encourage parents to get a copy for each household to help read that book. It'll prompt conversations around this new experience of living in mom's house apart from dad's house. Um, and then there's some other books, um, great resources as kids get older to understand what teens need from their parents 
Um, Because I do think that sometimes in the teen years, if it happens when the child's a teenager, that's the time that can really become quite complex um, and have some really high stakes. So I think if moms and dads are going through this or have recently gone through it and kids are in their teen years, then A, kids need somebody to talk to that's not, not mom and dad. Um, so getting them a counselor, a trusted mentor, someone safe that's not a parent, and then mom and dad recognizing that many things that teens go through are normal. They pull away from parents. They want to be their own person. They want more independence. And sometimes parents can take that as a very personal, um, painful response to the divorce and think that they're doing something wrong or the other parent is is weaponizing the child. So really understanding what, what are normal kids going through at those age and stages of development and then parallel alongside that what do we do to protect them from ongoing pain in divorce and and it gets tricky at at the teenage years that that is one of the hardest yeah i i love that you said that i think people also need to realize these are developmental stages and the brain's doing some things right Uh, i mean a kid who's six is going to personalize it because they're very egocentric in their thinking brain's not fully developed right i can't think rationally and reason so it's like mom and dad are getting a divorce i must be a bad kid right i must have caused this Uh and then as they start getting older into the teen years when you know the brain's more developed they can begin to think more abstractly so i think the needs you're right the needs are going to be different at every juncture the important thing is that parents do talk that's the important thing keep those lines of communication open with their child yes and definitely um realize that when you you know it's a tricky thing because usually if you're getting divorced or you're recently divorced maybe you were never even married right but you now live apart there are reasons for that and reasons that probably made communicating with each other difficult there's probably trust that's been broken there's emotional pain there could they could have been through a really hard trial you know connected to their divorce and asking those two people to talk to each other <laughs> is a really difficult obstacle and even concept for them to wrap their head around because quite often that process especially when attorneys are involved and you know the first thing an attorney will tell them is stop talking only only talk to me i'll talk to their attorney and the two of you need to stop talking and that's counterproductive to the mindset of being healthy engaged co-parents so it it can be a really hard thing to even imagine if they've recently divorced so um the whole reason you want to to try try to come back to a relationship that's a parental one is that for the rest of your lives you're going to have the joy and delight of being a mom or dad to your shared children and that's a position and a relationship nobody wants to lose and the stakes get higher as they get older so especially if they go through a divorce when kids are teenagers some of the next important milestones will be graduation from high school could be moving them into a dorm graduation from college marriage grandchildren and there's no parenting plan for that so wherever moms and dads are at trying to shift from being um against each other going through you know a season maybe if they've been through a hard divorce in a courtroom they've had to really protect themselves they may have had to answer to things that are not true about them. 
And you know, sorry to get in some deep waters here, but this is what I do. I work with families, you know, that sometimes it takes them three years to get their divorce settled because there's so much animosity and so much they're warring against each other. And here in the midst of those three years, they still have children. They still have to parent. And on the other side of that, they still need to co-parent. So that communication piece is hugely important. And yet it, it's met quite often with however they went from being a couple to being co-parents. That time in their relationship sometimes is almost, almost can feel impossible to get over. And so some of the things that I try to help remind parents, coming back to communication, again, let's not do it at the handoff. That's not the time or space to have a co-parent business meeting. Don't do it at the volleyball games or the football games. Um, public settings where the children are around, not the time to talk about child support, money, uh, switching Thanksgiving for Christmas, et cetera. That's got to be in a compartmentalized time and space away from those kids. Yeah, because and, all of this is really going to hurt the kids. Oh, yeah. Well, because the other piece of communication, we all, you know, sometimes we're, we're mindful of this and sometimes we forget that um, a huge part of communication isn't even what you say. It's what your face uh, looks like, right? Your all those nonverbals, right? Yep. Your tone of voice and wow, your body language is going to tell a whole story to the child that's watching without them even hearing you. So I, I try to remind co-parents, um, especially when the kids are around, to really be thoughtful about your facial expression, your tone of voice, and your body language. Because though you can't make the other person be thoughtful about it, if you can show up and bring your best self to that experience and model for your children what adults look like when they're in an awkward situation, let's say divorce is final and now we're all at uh, Charlie's. Uh, football games, right? Where do we sit? What do we do? When Charlie comes off the football field, if he runs to his, his dad first, do we, you know, does dad say, hey, go give your mom a hug too, and vice versa. Those kinds of environments are so hard for kids to figure out. And it's it's a tender and very triggering opportunity for parents. But I say, be thoughtful, show up with a smile on your face, focus on being, you know, proud of your kids, uh, bring a friend with you. If it's a hard thing to do alone and, and it's a, you know, potentially triggering environment, bring a buddy with you, right? Have somebody that's with you that you're not walking into that alone so that you can enjoy the ball game and you can stand by as they come off the field and be excited for your child and not distracted by the fact that your co-parent is also there. And when you, you know, again, engaging with each other at any level, bring your best self, you know, be careful what you say, how you say it. And especially back on that topic of the handoffs, when you're preparing your children to go see the other family, your tone of voice, the inflection in your voice is either going to give them emotional permission to go and enjoy their time with the other parent, or quite often, sometimes it's a blind spot, sometimes parents do it on purpose. But if we have a, have a sad, um, you know, we're saying to our kids, oh, I'm going to miss you so much. I don't know how I'm gonna what I'm gonna do here this weekend without you. Little comments like that could be very difficult for kids to hear because they don't want to worry about their parents' well-being. They they want to go come and go, and it might be hard to come and go. But they the, the thing they don't need is to worry about uh, mom's emotions or dad's emotions. They they need to still be a kid. So 
mom and dad thinking about your tone of voice, what you say, what you don't say, helping them make those transitions. It's really important in co-parenting. Yeah, I think, you know, not putting kids in the middle and not making them choose between the two parents. And you write in the book, <coughs> excuse me, don't make me pick who I want to spend time with. It's not fair. And I'll get hurt if you do that. And don't keep track of my time like I'm on the clock. It can't always be 100% fair. Please just love me when we're together and don't make me feel bad about not spending the same amount of time with each of you. That's so true, Rita. And, and that those comments that I share in the book and in our, our videos, you know, 10 things kids in divorce wish they could tell their parents, those come from real live hearts of children who quite often don't feel like they have the capacity to say this to their parents. And and sometimes when when it's fresh and new, everybody's hurting. And and what they don't need on top of it, like it's you read there, they don't need um, to feel bad about you know not having the same amount of time with each because it's not their choice, it's not their decision, it's the parenting plan, it's the courts, and it is a hard thing. I will say to the parent that's listening who might not have fifty fifty with parenting time that. I know can rip your heart out. It can feel like your world's upside down. You go from being in your child's life, you know, 365 days a year to maybe only seeing them four nights a month. That is an incredibly difficult adjustment. And so to that parent, I would say, take care of yourself. You know, like they say in the airplane, you know, if there's a crisis, put your oxygen on first as you then manage the people around you. Find a healthy um, counselor to talk to. Help Find somebody who's not going to just throw throw gas on the fire, but somebody who's going to help you process that pain. Because there's incredible loss that comes with being a parent that, you know, either only sees them four nights a week. And even if a parent has 50-50, you've literally taken the calendar, cut it in half, and there are whatever, <laughs> I used to be able to do math on my feet, but take 365 divided by two. That's how many nights you don't get to tuck your kids in. That's how many nights you don't get to hear about their day at school the same way you would if you're having dinner together. So there's a lot of grief and loss, even in a 50-50 divide. And so adults, taking care of yourself, finding what you need, someone healthy to talk to, to help you process the pain, the, the, the injustice of it all, so that when you're with your children, it's four nights a month or it's 15 nights a month, that you are your very best self. Because what they need to see when they are with you is a parent that's thriving, a parent that has managed to work on their emotions apart from their children so that they don't lean in. Um, I always talk about, you know, avoid the three C's. Kids are not our counselor. They're not our confidant. They're not our companion. And the first year or two post-divorce, sometimes it's so tempting to lean into the relationship with our children in a way that can almost become unhealthy. So, you know, finding a place to, to process so that you have a companion, a best friend, a, you know, a, a friend you can call on the phone, a friend you can go to coffee with. I know that women do life in committees and men don't necessarily do that, but guys need a buddy too. They need to be able to talk to another dad, maybe that's a few years down the road that's already experienced some of this loss and ask, you know, buddy, how'd you get through it? Like my heart is broken and I don't know how I'm going to do this. And th these are real conversations that are healthy and important. And when you have them with a healthy adult, again, a best friend or a counselor, 
then it gives you time and space to process. So when you are with your children, right, you're not um, letting all that pain and emotion ripple into your parenting time that you do have. Because when your kids are with you, what they need is they need to enjoy you, hear about the good things in your life. They're going to follow your emotional cue if everything's okay or everything's not okay. And so, you know, protecting the kids from being the confidant, the companion, or the counselor is really important in co-parenting so that you can give your kids the freedom to just be a kid. That is so awesome, Tammy. I love that. And what what's really important about that is, yeah, the, the fact that the parent maybe who got, you know, divorced, the one that got so-called dumped, they need a place to process that anger. And mm-hmm. that's going to be a really important counseling piece. So, yes, getting counseling from a counselor who's experienced in this is going to be really important because that anger is going to come out crooked. And mm-hmm. how a child learns to regulate his or her emotions rides on these self-regulatory beliefs from from their attachment figure, mom or dad. And that's yes. really important, especially if kids are younger, because that's where those beliefs really get laid down and cemented. And yes. so, you know, we don't want our kids to observe us. And then they pick up on, oh, well, how we deal with all this stuff is by screaming and yelling and throwing a tantrum, because then I'm going to learn to do the same thing. Well, and, and I think kids need to also know that, yes, there is sadness that comes when families divide. Um, you know, but but hearing that over and over or witnessing it over and over from either one of their parents, mom and dad sometimes can get a bit stuck. And kids need to know that, yes, there's sadness and there's still a very uh, strong relationship that you're going to have with your mom and dad as you move forward. So it, it quite often, I think for, for parents right in the middle, and I can tell you, you know, Rita, the reason I ended up writing that book is that was what I needed. I needed a lifeline 20 years ago when I was becoming a single parent. I'd been married eight years, five years of counseling because I was relentless. I am never getting divorced ever. And so I was looking for hope. I was trying to figure out how do I do the next day? How do I do the day after that? And unfortunately, back at that time, I didn't find any resources, especially in the faith based community that dug into how to share time and co-parent after divorce. And so eventually I ended up going to grad school, getting a master's in marriage and family. And I tried to create the lifeline that was practical with really quick solutions. Not that they that they could be done quickly, but some quick ideas that could be digested quickly. And also some stats and some stories about the impact of that relationship of co-parenting on children. And so, you know, eventually this book did come out, but it, I want it to be a gift to parents, whether you're at day one, you just found out that your partner is filing and you don't want this marriage to end, or maybe you're five years down the road and the two of you have just really struggled to communicate and to, to be uh, collaborative colleagues in co-parenting. Maybe you're angry associates, you're fiery foes, and you're seeing that, that this is really destroying your kids. Wherever you're at in that that time frame, this book could really help you. And it's got other people's stories in it. It's not just my story. Even the editor uh, contributed a wonderful, powerful story about dads. And and the book is very um, informative about how important both relationships are to children. 
think sometimes people think since a female author wrote it that it's only going to cheer for the mom. That is the furthest thing from the truth. I am a huge advocate for fathers and that the fathers really do matter to their children's well-being. But we also address some tough topics in the book, like what if I'm co-parenting with someone where there's been abandonment or addiction or abuse? We get into some of those sticky topics and, and not that we can answer every question in a book, but I try to, to give some real life information and some guidelines and some resources to turn to. Because in some cases you are co-parenting with somebody who has not been healthy and safe and now trying to form a new relationship and have a voice as a parent outside of the personal relationship. And that's a tricky thing to transition to. So we do dive into some of those harder topics. It's not a, a light read and it's not, you know, Hey, just read this book and everything's going to okay. work. Okay. Yeah. But we try to point people to resources when they have some, ex, you know, extra challenging circumstances and so that they can find a way through. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you know, because I know part of your story and you went through this 20 years ago. What do you think you learned looking back and what, if any roadblocks did you encounter? Mm. I mean, and you're, we have, you're, we have, you're six, we have a six hour time frame to answer this, right? Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, take your time. Really? Um, well, I'll, you know, one of the things that I talk to co-parents about relentlessly is how they do the handoff. And 21 years ago, I was sitting at my kitchen table with my daughter's dad and we were starting our paperwork, our parenting plan. And the one thing I asked him, I just said, Hey, can, can we protect that handoff and promise never to talk about co-parent business when we exchange our child? And he, he didn't really know. He's like, what do you mean? Cause there wasn't a lot of divorce in his family. He had not experienced that uh, with his parents. And so I just said, you know, that handoff and exchange, we're going to do that hundreds, maybe a thousand times. I want to do a good job of it. So if we can just make a promise that that's not where we're going to talk about co-parent business and we find another time and space to do that, that's just, that's my number one request. And quite honestly, that was before I was a therapist. That's before anything. It was just a life experience that I knew was really critical for children. And I'll tell you, for all those years, we did a great job of that. We'll have to leave it there for this week. You're listening to Mind Matters. I'm Richard Beatty. Our guest today is Tammy Daughtry, the founder of Modern Family Dynamics. Next week, we'll have Tammy back. Please go to her website. There's a lot of great resources there at modernfamilydynamics.com. I'm Richard Beatty, and for Rita Schulte, we want you to have a great week. And remember, go to RitaSchulte.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-T-E, RitaSchulte.com.